Hello, and welcome to the Parental Advisory Movie Podcast. We are your hosts, Jeff Hall and Patrick Terry. We're two dads with a love for movies. Join us as we discuss movies we have seen with our kids, as well as movies we have seen without them. Hello, and welcome to a very, very special episode of the Parental Advisory Movie Podcast. I am your host, Jeff Hall, and Patrick is not with me. Because, you know, special assignment, air quotes. As you know from the previous episode this week, Patrick and I talked about our love for the movie The Paper Tigers. We got into it and talked about it, just all the amazing things about this film. So much so that I reached out to the makers of the film to try and have them come on to talk about it, so we can more or less just show our love. First of all, thank you to past guest Michael Toe that was able to help connect me with our guest tonight. That means the world and really appreciate uh, him doing that for us. Join me as I welcome direct writer, director, Bal Tran and producer, Michael Velasquez. Later on, we have a post interview uh, guest that happened to pop up. I really don't want to give too much away. We'll just let it be a surprise, as it was to me, so much so that I had to yell for York to come and join us. So, and that was a special treat for him. So, without further ado, here is my talk with writer director Bal Tran and producer Michael Velasquez. Today, a surprise for everybody including myself. Today we have two special guests with us for a special episode of Parental Advisory Movie Podcast. You heard us talk about on the most recent episode, we talked about Jungle Cruise and we talked some other films. But more importantly, we talked about a movie that Patrick and I both fell in love with. The movie is The Paper Tigers. With us today, or with me, um, as I always like to say, when Patrick's not able to record, Patrick's on special assignment, being work. Anyways, with me today, I have writer-director, Bal Tran, as well as producer, uh, Michael Velasquez. I'm going to get that right. <laughs> maybe. Maybe I'll get that right. Don't worry Gentle- about that. <laughs> Gentlemen, thank you for joining me today. <laughs> um, Thanks for having us. I'm, I'm usually okay with intros, but... Today, I guess not. So, thank you, Jeff Hall. Hal, Jeff Hall. Yeah, yeah, Hal. Gentlemen, thank you. This is definitely a treat. Um, Patrick really wishes that he can make it, but sadly, you know, bills and stuff. So he's got to work. Um, but he definitely wants. I thought he was to... fighting contra wars when you said he, you know, he had special assignment. <laughs> special assignment. Yeah, <laughs> I had a much more glamorous, glamorous thing going on in my head, but I, I guess it's just. I guess you could pay the bills with fighting Contra Wars. That's Maybe true. That's, I mean, yeah, that's what it what is. They, what do they call that? Blood money or something like that? He's yeah. a mercenary. mercenary. Patrick's a mercenary. It's okay. He is. Everybody's got to put dinner on the table one yes. foot at a time. Yes. You know? um, thank you. As like I said, thank you guys again for joining us. Um, you know, when I reached out, I wasn't sure if whether or not, you know, because some people are busy, and especially after finding out that we'll go ahead and start this off. Paper Tigers is coming to Netflix this Saturday. This so that's very exciting. Um, Cause I know the people I was, you know, basically talking the a movie 
talking about the movie too, being co-workers. And then, like I said um, earlier, my son's crowd, my guy teacher that thought would like it as well. I said, you've got to check this out. It's right now it's on, you know, it's on uh, VOD or however you watch it. I said, then when I, that was on Monday, and then Wednesday, uh, after I found out it was coming to Netflix, I go, dude, it's on Netflix on Saturday. I said, must check out, okay? I said, you'll love it. It's amazing. He's like, all right, man, I'll put it on my list. So I know at least one for sure because I'm going to quiz him about it on Monday. <laughs> when, like, you watched it yet? Watched it yet? I know you. So you have to, it's, it's like when you, uh, you know, when you see someone and a lady friend. Yes. Speaks out the number. You have to have them that dial your phone number. So same way right. you have to sit there and watch them add it to their queue. Exactly. Let me see it. Yeah. Oh, oh, that's no. smart. It's a good yeah. way to invite yourself over to their place. Just to make sure you watched it. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. What are we having for yeah. dinner? I need to see this on your watched again, watch again feed. I'll watch again. Exactly. <laughs> so, Check. And is the, the thumbs up or there? You got to yes. check it <laughs> And that'll help. And it'll only, only helps. So to kind of get some of the questions, first of all, I talked to you about this kind of before we hit record that I thought that this film, I thought my son would love this film and he's 10. And I think like, I think back when I was 10, we had, you know, it's the eighties. So we had Chuck Norris, you know, with, that's what we had as far as you know martial arts for that's how i learned about first, vietnam yes missing in action <laughs> I, was, I was worried about was, you bow when i met you <laughs> <laughs> it's funny that, you mentioned or, that that or gleaming the cube usually you know it's just like most people know vietnamese people by either <laughs> chuck norris movie or gleaming the cube gleaming uh, the cube uh christian slater one of my best friends that was one of her favorite movies growing up <laughs> i haven't seen it forever uh i think vhs was the last time so it's yeah. been a minute but again it i really felt that my son would like this as someone that enjoys kind of action movies but also um stories that have that i mean not just when you think action movies most action movies the story or character development is kind of not really at the forefront. It's kind of, it's just touched upon just so they can help move the action along to the next set piece, to the next set piece. Whereas this one actually has an actual story with it, an actual character development. And it's really funny too, which I, I really enjoyed the humor. Like as I was rewatching it, I'm like, this movie is just really funny. Like this just, it, it, and it just hits it. It hit. It never like misses. It hits at just the right spot. And I, I said, York really would like this. And I think more people that have kids that are you know into those kind of either martial arts or just action movies in general would like this, but also like the fact that it has a story too, kind of a whodunit mixed in with a group of guys having to come to terms that they're not the same as they were 30 years ago, which, you know, Patrick and I can relate to in, in different ways as far, as far as, you know, we're not as young as surprise we wished we were. And the, uh, there's a lot of notes in that, that just, it really hits home. You're like, Ooh, yeah, that's relatable. Trying to chase after somebody half your age. And then you make it about 30 feet and then you're down on the ground. 
very relatable. So my question is, or I guess start off, how did this idea come about? Well, I was uh, sitting on a couch uh, at Michael's place, as you do, and just watching him reach over and try to pick up a graham cracker and just the, <laughs> the sheer physical exertion of watching him pick that up uh, just for such a little cost benefit ratio. And I just, I started laughing and it I thought it would be a box of graham cracker. crackers, a box. It was a box, like okay, from sure. Costco. So it's yeah. like you can't do it with one hand. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> this is uh this man has to rewrite history in the same way yes. okay um uh but you know, no it's uh and you know, i was going to make you you said can i have a grab <laughs> cracker true. like it's oh, true oh, yeah did it help because i had my feet on your back while you were <laughs> 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 it's actually like, sitting on me is like <laughs> pick this up um and then when he gave it to me i just crumbled it and i just threw it back <laughs> oh vacuum that up total total yeah um, yeah, it's, it's, well, Michael and I have worked on, uh, many, many films previous to this. Uh, so we had always talked about wanting to make a film, you know, a feature film eventually, uh, and just have it be able to kind of opportunity to have all the, the crew and the cast that we've always been working with on our shorts to, to kind of like really kind of make our big, big first step into feature film. So that was always on the back burner and part of like our ambition of just trying to get the band back together. Uh, we made a short film called the uh, called bookie um mm-hmm. uh, years prior and so that that was the one movie that really set us on the, on the path of just really wanted to like well, well why don't we do this and try to make it bigger and, and make it a feature film uh so that was part of it the other one was i, I was making films you know since i was uh, uh a younger person a younger lad uh, so i'd been making it for a while and then also kind of getting into the business and, and working in the in the industry was uh kind of a different thing because it's one thing to kind of make movies with your friends uh, but I have to do it as a job or a business. It, it became a little bit different. It's like not really quite what I signed up for. That's just that feeling. I, I felt really disenfranchised or kind of burnt out in that sense. So I kind of want to explore that feeling that I was having about, you know, uh, you know, that lost youth, if you will, or like mm-hmm. the things that you suddenly turns into a job and the things that you wanted, you love doing at, at the beginning, it suddenly turned into uh, something else. So kind of explore that, you know, in a martial arts world and with these characters and uh so and just kind of explore that in as a theme as where we were in our lives you know in a lot of ways we kind of think about it that as a the kung fu big kill or something like that <laughs> and just kind of like exploring kind of that coming back together and where you can put those pieces back together and whether you know what you had is is worth you know reliving and passing on you know so that's right. basically kind of the arc of these characters uh on the paper tigers as we go with them awesome so when I was about to ask if uh, any of the characters were based on people you knew, but you kind of answered that one. I just said, yeah. yeah. Graham Cracker, man. <laughs> um, so, you know, when I read and talk to, um, mostly read about directors and the few that I've talked to, or talked to, I understand that some watch certain movies to try and get ideas for tone, look, or style. Were there any films you went to for like reference? Yeah. I mean, like I mentioned, Big Chill was, uh, you know, a huge influence uh, in terms of just that theme and just kind of the, almost the chemistry of the performance is really, really fun to watch and just how they came together around that. Uh, we also kind of look at uh, Shaun of the Dead, uh, like we wanted to do for Kung Fu movies, what Shaun of the Dead did for zombie movies. Like it right. was that, you know, that kind of like grandiose uh, ambition, you know, everyone's like, sure. 
everybody wants to be the Shaun of the Dead, you know. So we got, yeah. you know, kind of that uh, sneering remark and feedback, but we generally loved it, and we just loved what it did for uh, zombie movies. Not only if you could tell it was made by fans, very loving, and mm-hmm. they didn't, they didn't, uh, you know, they didn't poop on the genre, but they right. they had fun with it and they changed it and they did a lot of things, but they were still very loving in a lot of ways, and that's what we want to do with kung fu films that we love the genre. Uh, but there's also stuff that we wanted to kind of change up and do a little bit different to add our personal flavor and style. Um, what else was there, Michael? Was that the, what did I mean, what you what did you use a... in your Hollywood pitches when you when you razzle dazzled <laughs> the uh, the big money? It's uh old dogs meets three ninjas. I think was uh, one of the big selling points. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, Bow had started creating this mood board on, on Tumblr back mm-hmm. when Tumblr was a thing, and one of the the best things that he would send us were all these real vhs underground challenge matches uh and they're they're funny some of them are pretty brutal but most of them are funny because of how un unchoreographed they are they're just so it's just a bunch of people like eventually just slap fighting you know and then they'll throw in a little bit of martial arts there so that sort of became the tone for the choreography to to make it seem like it's a real world like they mm-hmm. they have to remember what they're doing eventually might look good but the reality is it's like these are just people who haven't fought in a while but i just remember the mood board the mood board was great lots of great references awesome um i mean shoot you're like i'm looking at all my questions and i'm like oh no they're literally answering all of these before i even get a chance to ask them it's like they've done a few interviews i don't know (laughs) (laughs) um so one of the things I I absolutely loved um, in this film in particular was that the way you shot the action wasn't the overused quick edit fighting to make it look like a lot's going on to where you can't really see what is actually going on. That the way how I was able to relate it to whenever I talked about the movie and talked about it. Uh, the in particular what the action was that I said, have you ever seen the raid or the raid redemption and how they shot the action in that? And most people are like, no, I don't even know what you're talking about. I'm like, I think it's that. I mean, it's a amazing film. I mean, they're both huge movies. eh? Yeah. You know, and with um, outstanding action and the way they were able to frame the shot, I said, okay, well, this then this example won't help you <laughs> if you haven't seen it. But I said, but you should definitely watch it after you watch this. So you can see how the two compare. I said, the the way the action is framed where you can actually see all the fighting without it having like big jump cuts or just quick edits that make it like, there's a lot going on. I don't know what, but somebody's getting hurt. But I can't tell because there's just hands everywhere. Um, how difficult was that to film to actually film the action scenes? Yeah, it's an interesting thing because I think in the maybe, you know, maybe in the last 20 years, when what year was like Born Identity, maybe that was kind of starting to introduce kind of like this kind of tighter framing, which was really fresh at that time because, you know, maybe it was kind of a pendulum swing to the other side. Um, but yeah, and then we kind of got a lot more kind of putty and a lot more, uh, you know, tighter in our framing and a little bit less geography, uh, I guess, to introduce, you know, 
uh, the disorientation in a fight, which I think is all good. You know, it just depends on how it's used and what what type of story you're trying to tell. So, I, you know, I definitely appreciate uh, when it's well done. Um, but I think for us in general, just we're kind of old heads on this. You know, we kind of grew up on like Bruce Lee and Jackie Chan and some mm-hmm. kind of the golden age of Hong Kong cinema where their framing was very precise. Um, and that didn't mean like, you know, super wide shots, but, you know, right. generally shots that you could kind of see what was going on when you needed to get in tight, you can get in tight. There's like inserts. And so the language was a lot more um, uh, diverse, if you will. Like they, they were able to use all the ranges of the lenses that you had and all the ranges of the shots and the timing and the cutting could be fast and it could be slow. And so I, we, that's just the kind of way we grew up. And right. so a lot of the stuff that kind of like gets done a little bit faster and newer, it's like in a lot of ways, it's hard for me to kind of like really kind of get into or really connect with. And so it wasn't that hard. It was just kind of like continuing on the path of right. the type of action design that we ha- have been doing and just kind of now apply it to this one. I think the particular challenge here was that this is not meant to be, bit, meant to be like a really flashy type of action or yeah. like a raid redemption. The raid redemption is kind of a its own thing. It's like that's like a punk rock song where like a little bit more <laughs> of a like, a, you know, a sloppy jazz song, you know, where yeah. it's like things are a little like loose. It's a lot more looser. Yeah. Right. So um, the, and the characters are out of shape and they're not meant to be like, you know, posing and fighting and like yeah. that, you know, so it's a different type of style. And so for us to try to kind of like get into that was the challenge of how to show this action that was like Michael was saying, like, uh, kind of like trying to connect to the, the real life, uh, Bamos that we've seen or these real life challenge fights that we've seen where it's sloppy and yet still there, something was going on. So how do you kind of like put all that chaos into, you know, a, a choreography? And so that that was kind of like what we had to kind of do with our acting director, Ken Kitigua. Um, and, and, you know, it was just kind of a constant conversations, constantly checking in and also kind of challenging each other. Sometimes sometimes we kind of go with the uh, the default, uh, say, the take, the, you yeah. know, that we wanted. But sometimes we wanted the NG, you know, the no good take, the one that's like not as good or a little bit less sloppy and take that take and use that for the fight, because that kind of that sells more uh, where, where, what the characters how and how they move. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I, it definitely, I think that's actually a really good idea too, um, to do that. Cause I mean, that does tell more non-verbally about, you know, to further the story too. And instead of just the dialogue and so sometimes we didn't have a choice on the bad takes. Maybe, maybe they were all bad. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Ron McKellen and Elaine have words with you. They're, they want to talk oh, to right. you. <laughs> Let's, I hope they listen to the podcast. You'll have three new subscribers. <laughs> that's it. That's it. You know, so it's worth it. Yeah. We had, uh, I mean, Ken uh, Kitagawa, uh, Sam Loke, and Kerry Wong. That's our, our main stunt guys, our second year directors and our mm-hmm. stunt coordinators. And these guys have been doing this for 20 years, professionally 20 years. Maybe not on the biggest shows, but uh, now Sam and Carrie, they work on big Marvel stuff, Pirates of the Caribbean things. But they've been doing this since way back in the day. Like uh, I used to fanboy on them in, uh, when I was in my 20s because they had this zero gravity sense back in the Bay Area. So they have a shorthand. Uh, they know how to train uh, non-martial artists, but also all of our actors had martial arts skills. Okay, and They were hustling. Yeah, they're hustling all all weekend. You know, they're uh, when they're not shooting, they're practicing these fights. They're working on previs. So, uh, in terms of difficulty, I, I think they sure they they have their bruises, but I think it was a chance for them to play, and uh, it really shows on on screen. 
Yeah. And one of the things I was kind of amazed at and was curious was the uh, was actually when Danny's, you know, decides he goes in his garage and he's got the headgear on with the tennis ball. I'm like, I'm curious how long it took him to get this, because I'm sure this is like one of those things that an actor's like, I can memorize the lines, but this is my personal challenge for this movie is to learn how to hit this tennis ball, you know, start off sloppy, maybe no good take. And then kind of, all right, I'm going to show you guys how well I can do this. And I was, I was kind of curious if you guys knew how long it took him to get that scene down. Like how many, if you guys had to do it. I would say at at the most, at the most he had maybe about six weeks notice because when we were cast, when we went to cast, we had to, we had to go pretty fast and, Right. Uh, long story short, we spent like 10 years or, you know, a good part of eight years trying to get this movie made at that point. And, uh, and then, but once it rains, it pours, like once we had all the, all the, all the funds in place, we had to like, you know, fit everyone's schedule to, to make it happen. So when we actually went to casting, it was actually much shorter than we had hoped. And then pre-production was, you know, a lot shorter, but so we, we found Elaine through, um, auditions and, and his self tapes. And so when he got the script in hand, I was like, he saw that cold, like he, it's not like he knew. Uh, this was coming in down the pipe. So he had yeah. about six weeks to prepare. And he said he got, you know, the contraption. You can find kind of like uh, Etsy versions of, of yeah. it somewhere, Amazon or whatever. Uh, but, you know, he was able to practice for about good, you know, a couple of weeks. And he knew that I think it was maybe the second or third week of shooting. Uh, so he knew where it was on the schedule. So he was kind of like kind of bracing himself and preparing for it. But, yeah, on the day, he did really well. And it did kind of help that he wasn't that great at it. And it, yeah. when it, and it, when it, but also it takes a kind of coordination to kind of hit it so that it kind of hits you flush on the face. Um, so, <laughs> so there's like, you have to kind of still kind of fine tune right. that type of movement. Uh, it's one thing to just like, you know, have it yeah. flopping all over. But, you know, within the frame, we still need him to punch it within the frame. So, yeah, it still took some time. Uh, for him to do it but he did great you know i mean like you said that was kind of his thing that he put on his shoulders and and because he had asked me he's like are we gonna do like cg and i was like no we don't have any money for cg we can barely afford this tennis ball you'd be lucky you even have a real tennis ball to fight so yeah it was so yeah it was it was kind of a huge huge credit to him so kudos to uh, elaine for for pulling it off that's all yeah because i was like i because i because that's what i was saying i was like i wonder how many you know it's like, well, I'm sure they probably didn't have a whole lot of time to do, you know, a whole lot of takes. So I'm wondering what kind of preparation, because it's I always find it fascinating when, especially when people don't have a whole lot of experience, no matter what it is, you know, um, when actors don't have a whole lot of experience with a certain thing, no matter whether it's martial arts or something else, cooking, I don't know, dancing, Um we have Stan's background, and a lot of those guys had different backgrounds to different degrees. But I'll, I'll say this as a credit to them, you know, all of them, you know, kind of like this was the challenge that we always were were having internally discussing about, like, do you find a person that does really good martial arts that maybe their acting isn't that great um, to kind of sell the movie because it's an action movie, right? right? Or do we kind of lean towards, uh, you know, a person that's a little bit more dedicated to the craft of acting, but maybe not as good at martial arts or as well practiced? And so that was always the kind of like the the Sophie's choice, <laughs> if you will, yes. that we had to kind of like decide on on what to do. Great analogy, I know. Yes, very apt. Uh, <laughs> perfect, I used, dead on. I, I used to earlier yeah. at Walmart. It's, it's exactly good. Yeah, my kid, yeah, my kid, yeah, had, uh, yeah. My kid had no idea what I was talking about. <laughs> I love it. If I could have a penny for every time I say Sophie's choice yeah. at Walmart, that'd be you know a rich person. <laughs> so, um, but uh, no, so, totally. So so that we uh, ultimately you know lean towards actor, you know, someone yeah. with actors and. 
thankfully they did have martial arts experience. So it wasn't like they had two left feet and we, we didn't have anything to deal with. So thankfully, you know, they had something to deal with. But I think when we leaned on that and we had, you know, we opted for guys who could act, actors who are dedicated to that crap are almost like, you know, Marines. That when they get a, a part, they jump in and they research the part regardless of what it is. So that right. you learn to be a polyglot if you're really dedicated to your craft of acting because your parts are so varied and you learn to kind of like jump in and research really deep into all of them. And so to that point, to the, you know, again, to kind of their credit, uh, you know, going, here's a tennis ball. You know, he, he did ask, you know, if they're CG, but once I said no, he's like, he just took it, uh, you know, in stride and, 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 and kind of threw himself into it. So uh, that's, that's the actor's, actor's craft right there. Yep. Can you imagine him being on the phone while, like someone calls him while he's practicing? What are you doing? And a tennis ball strapped to my forehead. <laughs> I'm, playing, I'm playing with my balls. That's what. Yeah. That's what yeah, yeah. Happens to me all the just time. Like, right. You just gotta like get the balls out of his face. Yeah. yeah. I'm sure those jokes never got said. Never. Never. We never. It was a very professional set. Yes. Yeah, I can tell. <laughs> so I read that, or at least you know, on the IMDb trivia that when and Michael probably could uh, talk more about this, that when you guys went to go pitch the movie, they're like, they said yes, but they were wanting, they were more or less wanting to whitewash it with like big name people. And then you're like, uh, we're, that's not what we want. I was, I was in a few of those meetings. I, I live in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had a few of the douchier meetings. Yeah. Uh, yeah, these people are going to come up to me later. It's like, did you call us doucher meetings? But they're all podcast subscribers, Jeff. That's the point. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the, they said, you know, we could give you $4 million if you cast Bruce Willis or Nicolas Cage. And, you know, 21-year-old me is like, am I going to get to make a movie with Bruce Willis and Nicolas Cage? <laughs> but then now later, I'm like, oh, well... They're like, well, who, what part would they play? They said, oh, they could they could be the Sifu or, or just write a part for them. Because as soon as you get one of those guys in the movie, they can immediately sell it for the $4 million. They make their money back. So they have, they, they're not saying it because they care about the script. They're saying it because right. that's the quickest way for them to get their money back. Yeah. And who cares about the quality of the film? Mm-hmm. So, yes, those, those things did happen. Uh, lots of money on the table. But at the same time, we were trying to make uh, a movie that was more true to our short film and our indie roots. Yeah. And we don't we don't need four million. You know, right. we it was under a million, and that's what we wanted to do, and uh, we made it happen. Yeah. I honestly, I need four million. So let Michael speak for himself. <laughs> that's like, true. Yeah, yeah, let's, let's be clear here. Yeah. And then you I took that all... four million. I threw it in his face. I said, <laughs> "Good day to you, good sir." Good day to you. Like, no, 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 no. Gosh, with with four producers and bow, we should just split it. We could each be like half a millionaires by now. <laughs> Easy. And then, Easy. And then that would fund your next five or six movies. <laughs> no, no, yeah. no. <laughs> houses. Yeah, because the thing yachts. is, yeah, <laughs> houses and yachts right. for everybody. No, the thing is, like, keep in mind, this was like before Crazy Rich Asian and Black Panther, and who right, knows if exactly. things are any different right now. Yeah. Maybe we're a little more cynical about how things are but you know there is kind of a general yeah. uptake of conversations about diversity mm-hmm. uh but you know these things were said pretty you know you know open face to us and there was like no 
no uh, beating around the bush at all. So, right. you know, these notes would be given to us and caveats would be given to us without, you know, blinking an eye. Um, so that's just shows, goes to show how much, how, how kind of messed up the system is or, yeah. you know, at that time. Yeah. Uh, thankfully, it's fixed now, right? Thanks, thanks, Black much Panther. Better. So, it's so much better. Yeah, so much better. Yeah. Thank you, the paper tigers. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 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 The other thing is also like we wanted to be, if we were, be the, this is like a kind of what this is kind of what they would call erasure, right? So if mm-hmm. people imagine how many films have taken those deals and have done and gone those yeah, those yeah. paths again. I, you know, we don't knock anyone's choice in terms of making films or whatever, but just for us, we wanted to be able to do it. And also show that it could be done. And if anyone could point to us and be when they're having to deal with those same meetings and trying to get their movie off the ground and they can point to us, then hopefully, you know, we can be that. Uh, and that's just, you know, what we want to do is just be able to at least be that precedent. You know, right. Hollywood is, you know, like all about precedent. So they're always looking yeah. for. So if we can be that thing, then then hopefully we can. I. Yeah, I can see that. I mean, because when you guys were talking, I'm already listening, like in my head, I'm already got like five movies that I'm like, yep, no, they screwed it with that one. Nope. Screwed up with that one. And they were not successes because it's yeah. not what the audience wants. Cause not, it's a, it's weird how studio heads don't exactly know what audiences want. It's kind of, it's weird and not yet weird at the same time. Cause I'll tell you this, cause it's almost like this catch 22 because mm-hmm. this, if we can't have Asian or POC stars in movies, we won't be able to fund or finance movies with POC or Asian stars. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of a thing that just kind of like, if no one is willing to take that risk and like create Asian stars, you know, we just can't get to that. But having been on the other side, now that we've released the film, it is a different conversation. It is something where it is a little bit difficult to market. And just even like talking about designing the poster and trying to figure out what that means and how to express what the movie is to a person who, might walk by it in Walmart and going, Sophie's Choice, Mortal Kombat, or The Paper Tigers. What am I going to do? So it's like, you know, yeah. what's that choice in terms of marketing? So I do understand it. And I, you know, it is what we might call, you know, kind of more institutionalized racism. It's not like out and out racism, but right. it is a thing that's kind of embedded in the way we do business or advertise films. Right. But we also, as, 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 film, as film goers, should also kind of challenge ourselves into like, taking risks on movies that may not be that standard, you know, poster that you expect is like, go see a movie you've never seen before. Go try, just go, you know, I think we, we'd be all the better for it as, as film goers and, and people who, who, who love entertainment. We can have a lot of great surprises if we just kind of went beyond those boundaries of kind of typical movie stars and whatnot. And that's kind of, so Patrick and I have each have our strong suits as far as, well, no, strong suits taste, I guess. Like there's certain movies he'll go see, then I'm like, "That's all you, man." Horror movies, that's all you, bro. There's every now and then if it's more of a thriller, horror, okay, I'll go. But anything like that, that's all him. Kind of more like rom com kind of movies, I'll go to those. Um, independent films, I usually seek out and then recommend. You know, like, hey, I think you might like this one, or hey, you might like that because I have gotten more as I've gotten older, I've been trying to watch more independent, see what's kind of, because I feel like to see what these, what new filmmakers are making and what new stories are being brought out that aren't part of the big machine, so to speak, but still go see those, you know, as well. But I'm not as, 
I've found lately I haven't been as excited about going to see the big ones as I am the smaller films. When Patrick, well, they're not as good. Yeah, especially recently, they're they're really not as good. Yeah. Well, and what I've told Patrick too, I said, you know, when we first started, I said there's a sweet spot that I feel. I was once told this from another podcast that I followed for nine, almost ten years, and. You know, they brought up a good point, and I've kind of then just taken that point and kind of gone with it, too, because I agreed with it. You can you can take one of these big budget films, a lot of them at least, shrink them down to 20 to 60 million dollar, you know, films and still have them be quality films. That's kind of a sweet spot. If you could find an amazing film for even less than that, that's even better because not big machine films need to really cost that much. But that, I mean, I get a lot of it goes to salaries and the marketing, but small independent films are usually where the best stories are located and can be told. And for that, you know, so that's why I always try and seek them out because I watch the big ones just because I'm, if I want something big and dumb to watch, you know, just, you know, appease, you know, just to kind of escape. Cool. I'll go watch those, but I if I want to actually just watch film and learn something from it, I usually try and find the smaller independent films that have something to say. Not saying the big machine doesn't have something to say right now and then, but most part, you know, it's just big. Well, there's a reason. Yeah, I mean, there's a reason why big studio or franchise films tend to find directors or creators from the independent level. Um, and I think one... I guess you could look at it like, oh, nice, you know, they're getting their shot. And finally, uh, big Marvel gets to, like, you know, tap them on the shoulder and knight them and they can make a movie at, at the Marvel level. But it, the, really, the reality is they need creative people. Yeah. And it, it is in the independent world. And so there's a dearth of creativity at that, you know, a certain higher level that they need to kind of, like, find independent voices. They need to find these creative original uh, filmmakers because that's just the way the economy is yeah. because you know if without the creator there's nothing right. um so i think um also we we again this is kind of a challenge to ourselves as, as film goers to kind of rethink what that all means it's not about like going you know getting getting up to the big leagues like no the big leagues needed them uh from the get and they need you know these fresh voices otherwise it all you know it is all pretty cookie cutter if if not yeah and then people get tired of the cookie cutter and like all right what's what do you got for us now? That's new. And so, yeah. And I think that's, yeah, absolutely. Cause it just, people get tired of them. Um, now I like big, dumb franchises. Like I like the fast and furious franchises cause they're big and stupid and ridiculous, but it's something I could take my son to go see and we'll just laugh and have fun. But we're, we fully well know that it's, it is what it is and that's fine. But then, you know, I could show them paper tigers and go, okay, that was big, dumb fun. Pay attention to this because I want you to, I said, you may not be, you're not going to be able to relate to this right now, but as you get older, you'll, you'll realize it. And I said, I'll show you things where, I mean, you'll probably see things where some of the characters may remind you of me in certain ways, like the running scene, <laughs> trying to chase after somebody and then just being winded or, or like, uh, Hing's knee, you know, just aggravates. You know, he's fine except for that knee. Got that bum knee. I've got, you know, I've got a bum foot right now. So, you know, it's just making it hard that I need to have surgery on. I like it's 
part of just aging. You just realize that you're not, you can't do all the things you want to do, um, especially with your kids or getting too busy with your kids, just like um, Daniel was in the film that, you know, work gets in the way and that it's hard to prioritize, especially co-parenting is difficult as well. But then finding that, I think when he more or less rediscovered his martial arts, he also rediscovered how to um, recenter and prioritize and kind of have that balance um, between work and, you know, work-life balance that uh, is kind of hard to do. Or maybe I'm just reading a lot into it. I don't know. <laughs> oh, no, it's all there. I have everything. Yeah, yeah, you it's it. all there. You're like, you're like, yeah, yeah, hey, we're writing this down. In fact, yeah. you have to watch it maybe about 20 times to really make some breakthroughs on it. So preferably you have, you renting have to pay, it 20 you times. You have to pay for it. To, you have to, yeah, yeah, you have to rent it. Yeah, it's not just watching it. You have to rent it 20 times to really make those story breakthroughs that you you, you mentioned. So Well, we, we did rent it, and then uh, Patrick and I then both bought it. So thank you very oh, much. Nice. I heard you're like, you were, you regretted renting it because you're like, Oh, we should have bought it too. But I appreciate your double purchase. Yes. Yeah. Well, if it's worth it, I'll double dip like crazy. I don't even care. <laughs> <laughs> I actually, and I actually looked too, cause I was going to just go buy the Blu-ray and then I'm like, does it have an audio commentary? Cause an audio commentary, I'd buy it on Blu-ray. Uh, that audio if commentary. Not, I was like, if not, if not, I'm just going to buy it on iTunes and just call it a day. <laughs> just do it that way. Hey, whatever it so, takes. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, it's good. It's like, I don't care if it's a couple of dollars difference because it's worth it if it had that. But, Bow, did um, we forget about the audio commentary or were you just not interested? Um, that'll be for the uh, 25th, 25th anniversary edition. Sweet. Let's, we'll do Let's do a 10. Let's do a 10. And not too far. Yeah. The Michael, the producer, is like, yeah, that revenue, I'm not going to wait 25 years for revenue. No, we're not. I mean, uh, who knows? I, I need I to pay rent now. Michael, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I could just do the reissue because, you know, TVs come out, you know, different. You know, because oh, you, right. you got your HD, your 4K, you know, yeah. who knows what's next. Steelbook. The Steelbook. You know, the, yeah, Steelbook. It'll books. be the, I mean, the one-year anniversary then. There you go. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and put it on my calendar and then. Yep. <laughs> yep. Then have you back and be like, okay, it's the anniversary. We are now talking about <laughs> what all you guys added on the Steelbook <laughs> edition or whatever. Um, so it, it's kind of funny that this happened because this is before I watched uh, this is before I kind of you know started looking up stuff because I was just original, just trying to focus on the movie and stay off of IMDb as much as possible, which has been one of my biggest struggles. Um, especially since I'm watching more movies, you know, I'd been watching more movies at home. It's just a lot easier to do in theater. It's a lot easier to forget, but here it's a lot, um, at home, it's harder to do that, but watching and not IMDb. And so I was like, this would be awesome. You know, would be, I was like, you know, who ought to be, it would be great to have in here. And then I was like, it'd be great if, uh, what's his, I was like, what's his name again? It's not Soto. What is it? Cho chosen from karate kid part two and then not and then not later and it's like 10 minutes while you're boom i was like dude i had that uh leo dicaprio meme occur like well, almost, you know, from uh, once upon a time in hollywood yeah yeah uh, i did i had that moment and it was like it's like and then i looked it up and saw that he was he was in one of your short films so i was like oh that explains that too but i thought that was such a great cameo to have to have in this film and yeah, because we can afford anyone to play the part. 
Eugene was a <laughs> Eugene's a producer on the film, and uh, you know, we based out of Seattle, and Eugene lives here. Okay. Uh, so we, uh, Michael, along with uh, three other producers, are kind of like form the team. So Eugene's a part of that, uh, and it was great to have him kind of throw him into the scene and be able to yeah. play, you know, something play off the the tigers in the film. And so that really came out. And I guess it was a matter of just so we're on the record. You know, we had made this film, and like mm-hmm. I said, we wrote this script. Uh, you know, years and years ago, this yeah. was like before Cobra Kai, before like everything. Right. And so it's uh, when we made the film, it's like even before, um, you know, I think even before Yuji was even part of the reintroducing mm-hmm. to the Cobra Kai universe. Uh, but yeah, so we had all that stuff, you know, in the can. But with COVID and all that stuff, you know, there was a bit of a delay in getting the right. movie out. But yeah, it was very yeah. cool to have him. Yeah, I thought that too. I was like, I was like. That's awesome. That's like, that's, I was like, okay, well, I guess there's nothing else I can expect from this movie then. <laughs> we read your mind. See, yes. it was like a live like, read of your mind. Yeah. I'm like, well, I guess I'll just wait for the, for the sequel from whenever they focus on their, on his son and his training. <laughs> so, but no, um, how did, uh, the neck, the Netflix deal come about? Like, how are you guys able to make that happen? Did they come to you or did you go to them? <laughs> you know you that know, was actually do, do go knock was, on the uh, door say yeah so we knocked on the door on. they didn't answer they yeah, like we're fine thanks uh uh no that came through our distributor and our, okay. our, our sales team so our, our sales team is xyz films and our distributor welgo uh i kind of worked all that out uh so i knew i knew welgo was they wanted to make a theatrical uh release for us yeah. which is great you know and and especially given kind of COVID and all those things, it was very much a leap of faith for them to kind of commit to something like that. Yeah. And they really believed in the film. So fortunately we had a theatrical run in, in May and uh, we've been uh, screening in films. And actually we've been still kind of like hosting and attending uh, hosted screenings, you know, throughout the country. So check our website. We're still like on the road and, 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 awesome. and screening and, and making appearances. So uh, you know, Netflix is great, but you know, you can't beat the big it's screen. Uh, so yeah, so when we had that, yeah, they've been able to sort, and then we went on, on a DVD and Blu-ray, like you said, and then uh, now we have the Netflix release. So we're very excited about kind of the next uh, next phase of the movie's life. Uh, but we're still, you know, again supporting the film and going out to yes. all the uh, screenings as, as much as we can. Awesome, that's amazing. Um, one last thing. Um, so we noticed that the Patrick noticed this because um, he had followed them. Um, getting the Marshall Club in to be the younger, you know, punk kids, so to speak, <laughs> as uh, the one uh, Sifu said, um, was that was that one of those things you're like, we you already kind of have like, you know what, we're going to put them in here because I know you used uh, was it Kenny from uh, from the challenge, so kind of already had a, a history there. Is that was that kind of like an natural progress or easy kind of like, Hey, let's put them in or did they audition as well? Yeah, they, um, so like the challenger is a piece that we shot a few years ago, previous to that. And I I get that just shows how long we've been at this, but uh, that was a kind of a proof of concept piece that we were, uh, working out the kind of the visuals and a lot of the visuals that you see in the, in the challenger, we kind of ended up evolving into the, the feature film. Uh, but Andy was part of that. He's part of this, uh, you know, him, his brother and, and, and Daniel Ma, they're part of this group called the Marshall Club. Uh, so we loved what Brian and Andy did. And we wanted to kind of like have them into the film with Philip and to be our three punks. So it was always, you know, I was knew that we wanted them. Uh, fortunately, they're blowing up at the right time uh, <laughs> after us. They were available when we needed them. And now they're yeah. blowing up and super busy. And, you know, they're on 
you know, uh, you know, a lot of big projects right now. I think uh, it's going to be really exciting for them. Um, but yeah, so uh, yeah, we we really loved working with Andy and the Challenger. So we always kind of wait for the moment. In the same way with um, Matt Page, who plays Carter, we like we love big fan of their work. It's like we talk to them and and but it, for us, it was just like we just had to wait till the money was like in place because we right. could have all these conversations. Yeah. So we're blue in the face and and talk to all these right. folks. Uh, but you know, until we can actually offer, you know dates like working yeah. dates uh then it's real so um so annie and brian i always felt like we're kind of in the waiting and we we wanted to make it work fortunately the timing worked out they were available i think they were just coming off a shoot uh so it just really worked out same with ron uh you know they're all just kind of like it was really schedule wise uh michael maybe he can speak to that but like everything came together like in terms of just timing when we had to go it was it was a it was an amazing time and, and uh, yeah, it's I funny. Just, there uh, was a it was certainly a lot of stress leading up to it. But honestly, if we just sat back and let it happen, it probably would have happened the same way. You know, Marshall Club and uh, Matt Page as Carter, they were pretty early on. We decided we wanted them, uh, but then the rest of the cast just fell in the line like really quickly. Um, like we said, once we got it funding, we had to go go go. And I think Ron Yuan is Hing. He was the first one. I think he was the first one we cast. And yep. if you look at the credits, he's he's a co-producer. And that's that's not a vanity credit. He he did a lot of work for us to get the rest of the cast. We used a lot of his connections to you know, just help through the whole process. Awesome. Literally a team effort in every sense. So that's amazing. Um Gentlemen, thank you again. Where can everybody reach you on the socials and the whatnots? Uh, best way to find for the movie, go to the thepapertigersmovie.com. You can find all the handles for the social there. Uh, for me, you can go find underscore T Tran Kwok Bao, uh, I think on Twitter and Instagram, as well as uh, Facebook as well, I believe. Yeah, just just DM Bao. <laughs> <laughs> he'll, he'll tell me about anything interesting. Yeah. Okay. Gentlemen, thank you guys again. Um, it's been awesome. I really appreciate it. Uh, well, thank, thank you, you Jeff. Time. You tell Patrick what he missed out on. I, he'll hear yeah. as, he's, <laughs> as, he's, as he's fighting his secret wars, he better he's come back. Right. An, an alien, he better come back in an alien black you know, costume or something. Otherwise, he's, he's don't come back roots. at all. Yeah, sorry. The yeah. is not very good here in, in Fallujah. Yeah. It's, it's really rough. <laughs> Or just South Nashville, which, whichever. <laughs> whichever, whatever. Whichever, the same thing sometimes. It's better in it, you know, we'll run with it. We'll run with it. Exactly. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you. Thank you. After I was talking with Director Beltran, after our post-interview discussion, we got a guest that wanted to join, and I was staring at the screen going, Oh my gosh. Yuji Okumoto wants to join our conversation. For those that don't know right off the bat who I'm talking about, Yuji Okumoto, we talked about on the last episode as well because I covered two movies that he was in. One, The Paper Tiger, which he had a cameo and also as a co-producer on. He was also in... Better Off Dead, doing the amazing Howard Cosell impression. And as well as what most people know him from, which is 
from The Karate Kid Part 2 as Chosen. So I, I let him, I mean, I had to have him on. I, I, he wanted to join. I had to have him on, and I was slightly starstruck. So much so, I had to call for York to come in, because I knew York would know who it is, because one, we watched Better Off Dead together, as well as, you know, uh, we've both watched Cobra Kai, and he'd seen the Karate Kid movies. So he would know exactly who I'm talking to. And he could not have been any nicer and more gracious. We talked for several minutes, and finally Bell's like, "Why aren't you, you should be recording this. Why aren't you recording this? And I was like, you are 100% correct. <laughs> so the what you're about to hear is kind of a little bit into our discussion, but basically I was talking about uh, how much I grew up, you know, obviously watching Karate Kid Part 2 and how much I loved what they did with his character in Cobra Kai. And we're picking up from there. I completely forgot to discuss Better Off Dead and his amazing Howard Cosell impression. So uh, hopefully he'll hear this and we'll, under, and we'll uh, know how much uh, we really enjoyed his performance in Better Off Dead. Without further ado, here's the rest of the conversation. Yep. Thank you, Bell. <laughs> so, there we go. Ladies and so, gentlemen, real quick, who hopped on? Um, we have Yuji Okamoto, who is a co-producer and a, we would say cameo, or would you say just a, a uh, and just a supporting actor in The Paper Tigers? As well. It was an important role. That's and very it important. It's true. <laughs> so so well, important they saved it for the last. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so anyway, to answer yes. your question about yeah. uh, Cobra Kai and, yes. and the process, uh, the, the writers slash producers, creators of Cobra Kai sent me the script initially. And I, um, you know, initially passed on the project because um the the direction of where the character was going i i just thought um it it, sh- it should go a different way yeah. and they they uh were gracious enough to uh listen to my my critique of the the uh character um granted i, I had lived this character for how many years now so um they were uh really open to uh, finding the deference to the character of Chosen. So um, I proceeded to, you know, send, send them a kind of a two page uh, synopsis of where I perceived the, the character of Chosen uh, to go. And, and they were just awesome. They uh, came back really quickly with a revised script and I loved all of it. It was just so incredible. The changes that they made and, and the direction that they took uh, chosen was exactly what I thought, uh, you know, uh, the direction should be. So I was I was extremely grateful that they even considered bringing chosen back into mm-hmm. the Cobra Kai world and uh, extremely grateful that they were um, gracious enough to uh, take my notes into consideration and come up with this this wonderful character yeah it uh, yeah because it like i said it was one of my favorite episodes you know and the most anticipated one for sure and 
I really enjoyed, like, you know, the 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 way they went with that because it could have gone the other way, and right, it could have been more of a instead of you know he's already lost one mentor, but I like the fact that that it was a very teachable lesson for Daniel, mm-hmm. <laughs> and you know at that point in the in the in the show he definitely needed several teachable lessons. Right, um, he needed direction, uh, oh. which yeah they they were just like I said. Um, initially the character would come in and, and be apologetic. And, and I said, well, that gives, you know, chosen no, nowhere to go. So I think he has to come in hot and a little angry because that's, that's part of his makeup. You know, you can't take away that fire from chosen. Uh, so, uh, you know, like I said, you know, they were, they were terrific about implementing all these, uh, um, ideas. And so, um, yeah, it turned out. To, you know, I think it turned out well. Yeah, I think so too. I agree. Um, be when it be nice if they bring you back for season four. Um, I know it's yeah, remember, um, because <laughs> I'd like to see him more personally. Um, but yeah, and so I actually tried, I'll be uh, I actually tried looking up uh, black coffee on YouTube and couldn't find it because I was trying to because that I'd uh, you know, I was trying to. I was like, because the idea sounded amazing. I'm like, oh, this sounds really interesting. And I'm a sucker for black and white film, especially even the newer ones. Um, and I don't care. It's on I, my Vimeo. Huh? It's yeah. on my Vimeo. It's Is not it? on YouTube, but it's on Vimeo. Yeah, yeah. Okay. There you go. I'm not look at that. Me writing it down again because um, <laughs> <laughs> because I'm I'm very interested in that, and especially since you were in it. Um. I don't even know what to talk about now. Yeah, was that was that the first time we actually worked together, right, Val? Yep. Yeah. Was that oh oh eight? Oh eight. That's right. Uh, that was before the yeah, oh eight oh nine. Yeah. yeah. Is that nine years? Something like that. Eight years. <laughs> Eleven years. <laughs> twelve years. Was it twelve? God, I can't even. <laughs> there you, it was not my whole forte. zodiac cycle. Yeah, that's, that's all him. York's the math guy, not me. Um, <laughs> so York's doing a Krav Maga, so he's that's his martial arts that he's starting to learn how to do. So he's uh, very he goes twice a week on that. So he'll uh, have something to talk about now, won't you? Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I've been telling Val that how I've been uh, trying to get the word out, especially you know on our podcast, but also you know at our jobs and then at York's, um, you know, studio where he goes. So Nashville Krav Maga, there we go. We'll even plug, we'll plug Miles and his crew. Um, but yeah, uh, so how long have you known about Val trying to get this movie made and the process and, um, and all that? Yeah, I, I was approached probably maybe six years into it. Mm -hmm. Uh, I know he had been working on something um, for about, God, it was 10 years, I guess, from the time of its inception to the time of actual shooting. Um, But yeah, I I think it was six years ago that he approached me about this project, come on to help him produce. So that's kind of um, when I jumped on. Awesome. Yeah. Um, he said that it's basically just about you. And I thought that was kind of weird, you know, 
well, <laughs> that the movie was based on you guys, you know, just <laughs> oh no, <I'm> yes. <laughs> but no, I I I really I was telling him how much I really relate to the themes and then as far as you know not being as young as you used to and having to kind of come to terms with that. Um but also trying to you know remember and try and um also grieve. And I think that's one thing I I found interesting is that we was that um they're grieving and they're trying to also remember and trying to solve who you know who who killed you know their their sifu. You know, it was kind of a hard it was like a lot of compartmentalizing almost and um not a lot of them really had you know really were able to kind of show it you know as so as much um, mm-hmm. but they were able to do it you know um in other ways so but yeah um this really has been a treat <laughs> and i really thank you guys a lot for uh taking time out of your days um and uh joining us so thank you again it means the world and uh you know if uh if y'all can, you know, work out. If I, um, if y'all can work it out to have a screening here, you know, we would, we, we would love to do whatever we can, you know, and help out. So, just let us know. Jeff's out in Nashville. Yeah, we're trying to try to figure out some way to get out there. We'd love to get there. Sounds like sounds awesome. Thank you guys so much for your time. I'll let you guys um, enjoy the rest of your evenings. Thank you. Well, so thank much. you All so right. much for for supporting uh, the film. Oh, definitely. And, uh, it's my pleasure to be on the, on the show. Thank you so much. Thank you, Bal. Thank you, Eugene. Thank you. And Michael, thank you. From, who left earlier, but thank you. <laughs> they swapped out. Bye. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed our show and have a moment, please rate and review. It helps us out a lot. Also recommend us to someone that enjoys movies or also has kids. You can find us on Twitter at PA Movie Podcast and on Instagram at Parental underscore advisory underscore movie underscore pod. Be sure to join our Facebook group, Parental Advisory Movie Podcast, and join in on the fun. Attempt to look somewhat professional here. No, we're all freezing up. I, I feel myself freezing up now that you're actually recording. You should have just oh, opened man. on record. I'm just glad, you know, two out of three of us got the memo on wearing blue, you know. So yes, right. <laughs> I, I didn't realize my V-neck was so low. So a little self conscious. That's okay. It's why I don't so wear LA. I can't, I can't I wear V-neck. <laughs> that's why I can't wear a V-neck. If I did, it'd just be all hair. All just just like, yeah. There we go. It'd be all right. <laughs> Thank God it's an audio medium. <laughs>